You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. I'm Elena Levy. Today on Audio Interference, we're speaking with folks from Bread and Puppet Theater, a radical theater company and collective of puppeteers who've been performing and organizing around social justice issues and feeding people delicious sourdough bread since 1963. I met a few of the puppeteers this winter while they had performances at a theater for a new city in the East Village. Every year for decades, Bread and Puppet has performed in New York City around the holidays, and the performance that I saw, the Honey Let's Go Home Opera, was incredible, celebrating the transformative capacities of cardboard and the benefits of two-dimensionality and flatness. After the show, they brought out a loaf of their homemade sourdough rye bread and invite the audience to chat with performers over a slice. This is an important part of their practice, connecting art, food, ritual, and social change, which we will talk about a little bit later. Peter Schumann founded Bread and Puppet along with his partner Elke Schumann in New York City, and you will hear their names come up in this episode. Bread and Puppet is recognized as one of the oldest self-supporting theatrical companies in the country, and today we're sharing highlights from the conversations I had with some of the puppeteers about the group's history and legacy of performance and activism work. My name is Amy Trumpeter. Right now I live in Rosendale, New York. I joined Bread and Puppet in 1967 when the Angry Arts movement against the Vietnamese War was going on in New York City. Some of the earliest Bread and Puppet shows, which received a lot of attention, were in protest against the Vietnam War. Amy described some of these early and memorable performances. One was a parade down Fifth Avenue in New York City. Giant puppets of Vietnamese women with their hands bound and their eyes blindfolded. Beautiful giant puppets, black and white. And over them, a airplane that was also a beast dragon and drum beats that took these women down to the ground. And then they came back up again and continued walking. And that was repeated and it was a change in how we demonstrated in the street. It went to the core of the immorality that we couldn't bear supporting, and it it left the slogans and the chanting, which then seemed inadequate in comparison to these this movement of puppets. And the way they could speak without words was a whole revelation to my art making, politics, and spirituality. Another was fire, which was in response to people who immolated themselves in protest to the Vietnam War. Fire had no words and was done at Delancey Street, and that's actually the first bread and puppet show I saw, climbing the stairs to this loft and sitting on milk boxes and chewing some crazy rye sourdough bread and watching a show that had these days of the week and no words and being so moved again can you talk a little bit about what it feels like as the puppeteer 
I mean, that's a really good question because it's always different. There are different roles, like you might have on a mask and be articulating your body, or you might be under a piece of black plastic for hours and just wiggling the black plastic. And it takes, a, I'd say, a particular kind of person who's willing to mm, let go of every expectation and be part of it. So being part of the whole is more than being your individual self that may be the key to being a puppeteer. I asked Amy to describe the process of making a puppet. The beautiful clay and hay, which are got from, gotten from the earth and don't cost any money, and then sticking a stick in the ground and tying hay around it and smearing that with clay and making a giant Mother Earth head and then covering it with cardboard boxes soaked in paper and in, in water to get the paper for free and cornstarch to get the glue and the human labor of four layers of that, dry it in the sun and having a puppet and knowing that it costs nothing and using it freely and it can get rained on and trampled and go back to the recycling and keep coming around. Bread and Puppet moved from New York City to Vermont, where they had a residency at Goddard College. Linda Elbow first met folks from Bread and Puppet at this time. She was in the theater department at Goddard, working as a costumer, and the company used to come into the theater to rehearse. They were all like European hippies. I was terrified of them. But I would hear Peter direct, and he would say things like, there's a sound gap, there's a sound gap. And I would be sitting up there saying, oh, wow, sound, yeah, right. And gradually I became friends with some of them, and before too long I got sucked into it. (laughs) And that was mid to late 70s, and I've been there ever since. I mean, when I first started out, I was a performer. Then I toured for a long time with them. I mean, when I got into the company, you tour. I mean, we're a self-supporting company. you got to keep working and getting paid money. We don't get grants and stuff like that. Is the process of making a show pretty collaborative? Peter gets ideas. He has an idea, I think, of a general outline for a script. But he really looks for a lot from us. You know, so sometimes we'll start rehearsing a show outside and Peter will say to us, okay, everybody go over to the Red Shed and pick out a mask and a costume. Red Shed's one of our big storage areas. And it's sort of like, oh, God. You know, but then he sees what we're doing and he starts using stuff. And sometimes, I remember one time years ago, we took a lunch break. We got back upstairs in the rehearsal space before he did. We were upstairs fooling around doing something totally stupid. And he came up and said, that's good. Okay, we're gonna use that. And we started working on it, you know? So yeah, he looks for a lot from us. Linda spoke about the future of puppetry and what she thinks will happen to this medium. I don't think puppetry is gonna stop. I mean, we're not, what people usually think of as puppeteers. We don't do marionettes and stuff like that. But people have been making little dolls for a long time, you know, and playing with them. Same as this other, we have one form of theater called Contestoria, to sing a frame or to sing a story. I think there have been forms of theater that have lasted for a really long time and they're gonna continue. Why should they stop? 
Josh Krugman. I've been involved with Bread and Puppet for four years. And I'm a puppeteer and do booking for the theater. I went to see Bread and Puppet shows as a kid up in Vermont when they had the big festivals one weekend every summer with tens of thousands of people in attendance. And uh, they made a very deep impression on me, both politically and aesthetically. I would come home and do little puppet shows on the, on the couch and on the windowsills. Uh, summer after I graduated from university, I went up and participated in the apprenticeship and found it even more compelling than I'd, I had imagined and stayed. We try to get the work out as far and wide as we can. We tour regularly around the U.S., and we make it every year, every couple of years, to Europe and to Latin America every several years. In the U.S., we tour with a converted school bus, which Peter has painted. We take out two-thirds of the seats and use that room for puppet storage and we travel, the company rides in the front of the bus. So much of what I admire about Bread and Puppet is how deeply they root their work in connections between art, ritual, food, and social change. I asked Josh to elaborate on some of these themes. The classic response to that is from the Cheap Art Manifesto, which says that art is food, you can't eat it, but it feeds you. Art and food are both necessary to life. They should be available freely and in good quantity to everybody. We are pursuing revolution in our aesthetic and also how we share art and share food together. In the church they have communion and rather, so rather than a wafer, we give people real hearty rye bread and we also hope that our shows have a little bit more to say than a mass, which is sort of pure structure. I say as a performer, it feels different to just present a show than to present a show and then offer bread and talk with people over bread. Sam Wilson is one of the New York-based puppeteers who was part of the show that I saw this winter. She spoke to me about the different types of shows the company performs, as well as the experience of living and working as a collective in Vermont. Bread and Puppet has a number of different types of shows. That's also kind of amazing. And a number of different looks. You know, we have circuses, but then we have pageants. We have indoor shows. We have outdoor shows. We have small street shows. We have contestorias. Bread and Puppet has this way to, you know, include the audience or the audience becomes the showmaker. It's not a spectator sport. You're not sitting on the sidelines just watching. You're part of it in the same way that you can watch the news and say this is so horrible, but also you are part of it. So your understanding of your agency, theater is an interesting way to look at that. The company moved from their residency at Goddard College to a farm in Glover, Vermont in 1975, and they have been based there ever since. Sam described the daily life on the farm. I have just formed relationships there that will probably last the rest of my life. And it's 
something amazing about spending the summers in this beautiful, beautiful place and working together and living together. You know, we eat every meal together. We have our tents near each other. We have our day off together. And then we're working all day, you know, on the same thing towards the same goal. We have an outdoor kitchen. We eat outside. We perform outside. We spend almost all of our time outside. And then there's a giant old barn that's a huge museum. Might be the biggest puppet museum in the country. And there's a beautiful theater that is called the Dirt Floor Theater and Paper Mache Cathedral. We have a giant garden. We feed ourselves mostly from that in the summer. We live in abandoned buses and tents and things like that. We also have a pine forest that's super magical and has a memorial village in it. Joe Therian. I've been working with the Bread and Puppet Theater for the last five years. After receiving his MFA in puppetry, Joe moved to New York City, where he used to build giant puppets for Occupy Wall Street, and that's where he met other bread and puppeteers. He now splits his time between New York City and Glover, and we had an interesting conversation about the company's participation in protests today, as well as their relationship to the local community. I know when Occupy happened, Peter was very inspired and he wrote a show specifically for people trying to take down the banking system and the, and the billionaires. And there was a small group that toured around all the occupations and performed it. There's a lot of organizing in Vermont that Bread and Puppets connected to. I remember once being on, on tour and we drove past a parade of people that had some sign that said, what were they, pro- they were protesting a nuclear power plant, I think, and we had no idea who they were, but it was maybe 50 people in this protest. And we said, well, do we have time to do something? So we turned the bus around, parked, and we jumped out and had the band and we said, okay, we're gonna march with you for a half hour. And we just played music and I think we maybe brought a puppet out. Experimentation is a big part of the group's working process. There are sort of rules and patterns and tendencies that we use and vocabulary we've developed, but at the end of the day, it's always an experimentation to find something new. Peter and Elka talk a lot about how when they first moved to Vermont, they they brought a lot of the social issues from New York into in their work, rent prices and, you know, the things that they had been talking about in New York, they continue to talk about there and people weren't responding to it in the same way because they were, it's a totally different community and environment. So then they started to adapt. They started to make puppets that were more representative of the forest and the, and the environment and landscape there and their topics of what they were making shows about got influenced also and they wanted to be a part of the community and see what people in the community were thinking about and concerned about and engage with those issues. Joe explained how puppetry, and especially large-scale puppets, is an important way to see beyond the immediate political context we are living in. There's so little artistic content really being made that's, a, that's trying to attack the roots of the system and really trying to divorce itself from profit, any sense of making money. And the work of Bread and Puppet is just has this certain joyful, hopeful, reckless quality that has not been dampened by whatever happens to be going on in, in politics at any given moment. And it's just thinking so much bigger than 
the sort of pettiness of what's going on and the small mindedness of, oh, we have to elect the Democrats in or, oh, we have to if we can just get this law passed. Everything will be OK. There's actually this bigger world that we're all missing out on because we can't think that big. And puppetry, especially these giant puppets, you know, it gives it opens people's minds up in a way to get glimpses of this bigger reality that's beyond what our minds normally inhabit. A huge thank you to Amy, Linda, Josh, Sam, and Joe for sharing their stories and experiences with us. To learn more about Bread and Puppet and to find out when they will be performing near you, visit our show notes. We also have print materials from the Bread and Puppet Press in our archive, which you can stop by and see during our open hours. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteered powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on Donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening. <laughs>